What's going on? It's your boy Mixmaster B here live from the MNB Radio Studios for the MNB Radio Podcast where no topic is too big or too small. We talk about them all. And on the phone lines right now, I have an artist that you may have seen some of his work on Tops for Project 70 and Project 2020. He also has all kinds of amazing artwork, sports artwork through his website. And we're going to talk a little bit trading cards and some art with him tonight. So I want to welcome in Mr. Blake Jameson. Blake, what's going on, man? What's going on? Doing awesome, man. And uh, so you're calling us from Brooklyn tonight, right? That's right. All right. But you are originally from the Bay Area, if I'm doing my research yep. correctly. Yeah, Mar- yep, Marin County, just north of San Francisco. Okay. So I got a lot of questions I want to ask you tonight. But I guess the first thing I want to note on that is, uh, so did you grow up a Giants fan or an A's fan? To be honest, uh, I grew up season tickets to the A's, but that was just because Candlestick was so cold. And so <laughs> in my you know, household, we, we liked the Giants and the A's. We went and saw A's games uh, in the, you know, what was that, at the Coliseum. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Giants fan, too. And so, like, when, uh, especially when Giants moved to AT&T Park, uh, I was back in the Bay Area. That's actually kind of right at the beginning of my a professional art career about six years ago when the Giants were winning every every other year they'd win a World mm-hmm. Series. So I was at some of those games, uh, usually just the regular season games, not the not the World Series. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I I had to ask because I know there's city business and there's town business, and city business and town business don't mix. So I want to make sure that you know if you were all A's or you're all Giants. So uh, kind of dabbed a little bit in yeah. both, which is which is great that you had. You know, access to two teams. You know, I always tell people that sure. I wish I wish I was alive back when the A's were in Philadelphia here. You know, because just the, the thought of having yeah. two options in Philadelphia between the Phillies and the Athletics. You know, but I'm yep. an old I'm an old soul. I, yeah. I always keep telling people I wish I was able to visit the stadiums like Connie Mack and you know what I mean, Ebbets Field, yeah. and all those type of things. Like, yeah. I would have just been in all my glory for that. But you mentioned that yeah. now you've only been like getting real big with your artwork in the last six years but like how did you start out becoming an artist was this something that you've done since you were a child or you know like kind of take us through how that all just kind of just came about yeah of course uh i grew up in a very creative household my dad uh was a photographer kind of turned uh computer programmer really when the internet boom took off and so he's like an art collector too there's you know there's tons of art in my house. My mom is also creative. She makes mosaics. Uh, my grandmother who like owns the family property that we all live on, she paints. So like I grew up all around art, but I had kind of convinced myself that art wasn't a career, uh, per se, you know, kind of get, uh, talked to about like the starving artist, right. It's kind of the cultural expectation. Um, and so I didn't pursue art, you know, beyond just doing it as a hobby. Uh, despite my parents even like encouraging me to go to art school. So I studied economics and then I ended up getting into digital marketing really kind of right when social media was like really starting to take off and become mainstream is, is when I was graduating college. And so it was like a whole new industry that there wasn't any rules. There wasn't any like requirements. You just had to essentially like be creative to figure out this new way to market brands. And so I did that for eight years and it was great because it challenged me creatively for a while. I was able to do copywriting, graphic design, video editing for clients to kind of promote themselves, you know, promote themselves online. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't really like, it wasn't fulfilling. It didn't make me happy. And so when I turned 30 is really when I decided I wanted to do something different. And well, it they, wasn't they say life starts at 30, right? So 
I mean, you were right. I, I you were right. So. You're, you're right on par. Yeah, I mean, I think like you know, I was just uh, I was making great money um, living in Phoenix, Arizona. I bought a house working for this big corporate, you know, billion dollar company. Um, but it was like clocking in and clocking out, and I just dreaded Mondays and looked forward to Fridays. So I just knew that I had to change something. So I I put in notice uh, to leave that job with the kind of personal goal and expectation of just like finding something that would make me happy to do every single day. And it wasn't like immediately obvious, like, Oh, I want to leave this job in marketing to, to become a painter. It was just, I want to figure it out. And in that process of figuring it out, uh, kind of painting, painting found me again. And uh, it's been a really, really fun adventure ever since. And that's a big risk because a lot of people, you know, don't just take, something that's secure, like a job for, you know, like you said, a billion dollar company and living a pretty decent, happy, you know, life aside from, you know, the clocking in and clocking out Monday to Friday, you know, to take a chance on yourself to do something that you even said yourself was, you know, it was like, I don't know if this is a, you know, a, a job that I can, you know, live off of. Um, but right. what made you get into the sports aspect of it? Because the sports part of it is what really intrigued me because it's something yep. that I don't you don't see a whole lot of art being directed to the sports world. Right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was, it was a little bit of a right place, right time. Um, I think that everything happens for a reason. When I started painting full-time, you know, my network from working in marketing was people that worked at PR firms and marketing agencies and tech startups. And so at first, I knew that, having a focus for my art would be important. And so my focus at first was I will create inspirational art for your office. And so my target customer was like somebody that was raising a series A round and moving out of a co-working space into their own space. And then I could kind of design art for, for that environment. And I did pretty well with that. Uh, and I think part of that is because having those relationships and the other part is like having the focus. And I was delivering art to a client in Las Vegas, Nevada in Let's see. So this was 2017, I think. I think it was 2017, maybe 2018. And I met this guy who was an NFL, like retired NFL player who now managed NFL players. And he really liked my work and highly encouraged me to see if I could break in and, and basically offered to plug me in with a few of his clients where the expectation was I would be painting for free. But in exchange, he would make sure that they would promote me to their teammates and to their social media channels. And from my marketing background, like I know that has value and immediately that made sense to me. And so I did those first paintings for free and I was kind of able to leverage that, you know, into paid work. And, you know, at the same time, I still have used kind of what I call strategic gifting where I pick a player and, and will do a piece of art for them in exchange for a little bit of social media promotion. That kind of remained part of my growth strategy for quite some time. Now, when you're deciding on what artist or what athlete you're going to go ahead and paint, how do you decide? Is it more just, you know, a commission thing or is it just something that you just, uh, whoever's hot at the moment that you want to decide to do? Because, I mean, obviously you did a lot of stuff for tops, but I know you do yep. other stuff and I've seen some of the stuff you've done. You've done, you know, painting some Muhammad Ali and, you know, so many other things yep. outside of just, you know, the baseball projects. Um, but how do you determine sure. who you're going to, uh, paint? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a mix. I have, you know, like the Muhammad Ali that you mentioned, that was a, a passion project that I just 
it was such an iconic moment in sports history, and I just felt like I needed to paint it. And it was also really right at the beginning of 2020 where I was trying, thinking about like getting bigger with my paintings. And so like that at the time that Muhammad Ali was the biggest painting I'd ever done. And I was, I also think it's like one of the biggest sports moments of history. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just, you know, I was inspired by it and I was excited to do it. And I still have that painting, um, you know, in my apartment, which I love. And then, you know, we have the top stuff and a lot of the other athlete stuff is driven by commissions. And so people will hire me and sometimes it's the athlete themselves. Sometimes it's the agent, you know, as a gift for, for example, making the Pro Bowl or breaking a team record. Uh, sometimes it's the wife or the girlfriend. Valentine's Day is always busy time for me. And so, like, most of the work that I'm working on is commission-based, but every time I get too bogged down with, you know, back-to-back-to-back commissions, it kind of, like, it reminds me of when I got stuck in that 9-to-5 where I was, like, in the job and I need to feel like I need to, like, do something just for myself. And usually that's when something like the Ali comes out is when I've got, like, back-to-back-to-back commissions with rules and then I just want to go and do something completely for myself. Now, on average, how long does it take to do, you know, a piece of work? I mean, I know they're all different sizes and, you know, different details, but... How long, like if someone were to say, hey, I want to do a commission, you said Valentine's Day, huge busy time of the year, but how often, like how quickly are you able to knock something out for somebody? Yeah, I mean, man, that varies so much. Uh, You know, if I'm on a really tight deadline and I have to get something done, uh, I can do it. I can usually complete a painting in like one to two days. Uh, That's usually focusing just on that one thing. But my work process is usually working on like 10 things at once and slowly completing all of them over the course of a couple weeks. And I think that like lets the pieces breathe a little bit. It lets me kind of figure out where they're going. Um, But, you know, there's also deadlines like with top stuff. uh, I have tight deadlines and, you know, there's times where I do live streams and people can watch me paint an entire painting start to finish uh, in about three hours. But that's also with a ton of prep work, preparing for that live stream, uh, cutting stencils and, kind of getting everything else ready. And I can kind of attest to that because I do stuff with graphic design and people ask me all the time, they're like, well, well how quickly can you knock something out? Well, you know, when can you work on it? And I always tell people, right. and I don't know, maybe this might make sense to you. And I, some people says it makes sense. Some people are just like, can't even understand where I'm coming from with it. But I feel like I do my best work in like the real like wee morning hours. So anywhere between like yeah. two in the morning to like 5 a.m., and yep. people are like, why do you, why do you feel like the creative juices are just flowing so much then? And I tell them, I said, I think because I'm so freaking tired at that point that right. <laughs> I'm not focusing on anything else. Like I'm like using all the little bit of energy I have to stay awake. And I seem to like, that's when I do my best work. So like, yeah. when, like for you prepping and doing stuff and like you said, doing the stencils, doing stuff for tight deadlines for tops. First, let everybody know, how did you get? to do something like tops because they have a lot of great artists, a lot of, you know, people that are doing all kinds of creative stuff. How did that opportunity come about? Yeah. Tops actually uh, saw some work that I had done for an athlete named Paul Rabel, who is uh, a lacrosse player who is also the co-founder of the premier lacrosse league with his brother. And so I had done a few paintings for him and his brother uh, kind of as like a congratulations is starting your own league. I, I played lacrosse in college and I'd followed uh, Paul's career and looked up to him. And so when we were able to connect online, I offered to do some paintings for him again for free. And uh, 
kind of like with the first time meeting the agent and how free t- stuff turns into, you know, paid work, Top saw it and liked it and then reached out to just like the contact form on my website. We set up a phone call and they explained what would turn out to be Project 2020. And, you know, here we are. It's been about a year and a half, I guess, since that phone call, but uh, it's been a wild ride and I'm on my third set with Tops and, and it's awesome. Now, what is, uh, what's like your favorite card that you've done? I mean, I know you've done a lot of them and I, I'll tell you what my favorite one is, but I want to know first, wait, which one did you enjoy the most painting, designing, creating? Yeah. So for me, the, the project 2020 Mark McGuire card is my favorite and meant the most to me, both when making it and even now, like looking back, because I grew up in the Bay Area watching Mark McGuire, uh, come up to the, you know, being called up from the minors, even when he was on the minors, he was on Team USA. Uh, my dad and I were kind of following his career. So I have kind of this like special bond and connection with Mark McGuire uh, from like meeting him as a child and just like watching his career progress the way that it did. So when I got to reimagine his 87 rookie, I think it's going to be really hard to top that one. Now, I was going to say my favorite one, and it is more of the more recent ones that you've done, is the uh, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, the Uncle Larry card. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. being from the Philadelphia area, you know, Philadelphia Phillies fan, you know, Uncle Larry gave us a lot of uh, excitement on what, you know, was a, a pretty, you know, a long season where, you know, a lot of with the pandemic and everything going on. So it was it was really interesting to, uh, you know, have some a little bit extra sideshow stuff. So the Uncle Larry, Andrew McCutcheon card that you have available on your, your website right now, people can go ahead and purchase one of those signed, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We just uh, just launched those this excuse me, this week on Blake.art. And that one was a fun one. You know, that was a really iconic card from 2020. And, you know, Project Project 2020 got me back into card collecting. You know, I, I grew up collecting cards, but I've fallen out of it for a long time. And so that got me back into it. And then, you know, anyone in the hobby community knows that short print McCutcheon card was, you know, arguably like the most iconic card of the year. Yeah. And so when... 70 was explained and like how it was going to work. Uh, I specifically asked to do that card, him. Uh, and I also specifically chose the 1959 design because that was coming off the back of my project 2020 set, which is Bob Gibson in 1959. And so I wanted this like smooth transition. So if people were collecting, let's just say like this whole timeline of all these cards I made, we're moving from one set to the next and like you can barely notice. Uh, so it was just, it's fun, man. It was a really fun one to make. Now, the trading card industry over the last year for the pandemic is like is bonkers right now. Like it is ridiculous how much people are, you know, collecting and getting back into the hobby. And it's funny. A, a quick story. I always would see people just scrolling through Twitter. I see all these people, you know, camping out at Target, camping out at Walmart, and then you right. start seeing the pictures of the you know limited only certain amount per customer. And I was always yep. like, oh, that's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. And then I walk into a Target one day and see kids and adults, like, laying on the floor, like, like if they're camping out for, like, concert tickets or yeah. something. <laughs> and then that's when I was like, we've been, we've been infected. You know, it's like, it's like finding out the first person in your town has COVID. And you're like, oh, it'll never happen here. We'll never get it. And then, yeah, it, it all hell broke loose. And, uh, but it's, it's great for the card industry, but, what is your thoughts on 
do you feel like it's something that is going to be um, long term or is it something that's going to be just kind of just die off? Because a lot of people explained to me the reason why the, the boom of it was was because people were home during the pandemic and trying to, you know, they're cleaning out things, finding old cards. And then you had people like, you know, Gary V going out there saying things like, oh, you know, these cards are going to be worth money. And people just jumped on it. So do you think it's a long term or short term thing that's going on with the card industry? I mean, I think I'm bullish overall. I think the card industry and collectible industry is, is here to stay. And I think that, like, even if we look at uh, much more maybe bleeding edge of that, but, like, the whole NFT market, uh, I think, is going to enhance and change the game for trading cards and collectibles uh, across the board. So, you know, it's it's peaks and valleys. I saw with Project 2020 last year there was, you know, no sports going on at the time. And so people were really turning to uh, those cards and they did really well in terms of print runs. And then people were flipping them and making tons of money. And then even more people came in and eventually like that bubbles, you know, it's not sustainable and it kind of burst. And some people got left holding the bag and the market kind of is corrected. And we see that in terms of like the print runs of the project 70 cards versus peak project 2020 you know we're not seeing these same crazy numbers but we are seeing like i feel like a really strong core group of collectors that are collecting the cards because they like it not because they even care where the market Mm -hmm. goes so you know i think that's important for it but there's no denying you know investment opportunities in the collectible space nft space um i don't think that's going anywhere and I think I fall into the category of people that just enjoy the, the hobby itself of collecting cards. Like, I flip cards, but I'm usually flipping cards that are, you know, I have doubles or multiples of. And, you know, I'm just like, well, I don't really need 10 of the same card. But, you know, let me kind of share the wealth with people. But, I mean, there are right. people out there that don't know anything about trading cards or sports that are just buying, you know, blaster boxes. And, and they're just buying stuff up and flipping it. And yep. I don't know. I just like that's the thing that kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Like I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I'm not a Pokemon fan. I don't know much sure. about Pokemon, but I know it's big. Right. I see people talking about it on Instagram and Twitter and everything. That would be the equivalent yep. of me buying a Pokemon box, not opening it, but just selling it for like three times retail, just because I know right. somebody's going to buy it. And uh, people right. might, people might say that's a you know a dumb move. Like not, why not do that? But like I just I don't know I'm I'm an old school hobbyist where I just I enjoy opening up packs of cards and just kind of seeing right. who you get. Um, right. So yeah, you know I mean look I I think that like having those people that are buying the boxes to flip the boxes I I think that that's good for the market. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't bother me you know I'm the same way like I don't there's a lot of different ways I can make money and and flipping like retail sports cards for like, you know, higher mark, you know, higher markups is just not the way that I want to do it. Uh, it doesn't mean like, I have nothing against the people that do it. And sometimes I'm paying over retail if I really want a specific box, you know, or whatever. I, I don't care. I think it's all part of the ecosystem. Uh, you know, important. Now, now what was your favorite series of trading cards growing up that you really enjoyed the most? Like, were you a big, I mean, obviously you work for Top, so if you are biased, that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, but, like, were you like, no, I, a Tops upper deck guy, I, you know? I, honestly, I was mostly a Tops guy um, as far as baseball. And, and so, like, the 87 with the wood grain border, like, I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the uh, what was it? Was it 1990? I think with the Frank Thomas rookie that has that really colorful, uh, colorful border on top that I think is really fun. Um, you know, but some upper deck stuff too, like the upper deck uh, Ken Griffey rookie. I remember. Uh, and then also I was into like basketball cards as a kid. I, I did a lot of like, I PC'd Michael Jordan and somewhere along the way I lost that PC. Uh, and it's crazy cause we have like, we kept all the cards, you know, we have boxes for, you know, my dad and I collected as kids, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was all over the place. And I also did like Marvel and DC cards and magic cards. I did Pokemon cards, uh, you know, as, as a kid, like edition one, uh, again, like, Wish I had that binder today, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I mean, I, I can test to that. I can remember being in junior high, and we had, like, a little school store. And, I mean, they sold, you know, school essential things like pencils and pens and notebooks and everything. But they also had, like, the little box there, you know, of the packs of trading cards. And I can remember right. multiple times substituting eating lunch, taking my lunch money and buying packs of trading cards instead, you know, just because – you know, I just enjoyed opening up the packs of trading cards, but um, I'm a little—I think I might be a little bit older than you, so I kind of missed out on the the Magic and Pokemon craze. Like, I think I was a yeah. little bit older when that started right. to get real big, so I didn't uh, really yeah. dab too much into that. But uh, now, even today, I mean, I love buying the new retail stuff. But one of the things I really love doing is going to like thrift stores and finding like cases and binders of just trading cards that people for whatever reasons, like, have no idea what they're they're giving away. Love that, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's kind of like my history when it comes to the trading cards. But, um, yeah. so, opening day is next week, and um, for people that are listening to the podcast, they're going to say, opening day is next week, it's actually opening day now. So, it's we're a little ahead of that, but um, how excited are you for the upcoming baseball season? I mean, are you, you're stationed in Brooklyn, but, I mean, like, how often yep. would the – before pandemic wise, how often did you get to go to different stadiums and ballparks? Man, um, I saw a couple. I, I went. I think I'd been to one Yankees game, one Mets game. I went to a New York Red Bulls soccer game, a uh, couple NYCFC soccer games, um, which are at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I've been a few times. Um, I, I mean, I'm excited. I think that uh, it's going to be fun, and like I'm. I'm still like, you know, kind of loyal to the Bay Area. I'm excited for the A's and the Giants. Um, but as far as like going to watching baseball, I'm, I'm excited. Like, it also, like, it's supposed to be 75 degrees tomorrow in New York. Like, I can't yes. wait for just like better weather. Like, this is going to be, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally stoked for it. I mean, we got open day next week uh, here in Philadelphia, and we're, they're limiting about like 8,000 fans at Citizens Bank Park. Um, and, okay. I'm, and I'm reading some of like these different uh, stipulations and uh, different things that uh, they're doing for each ballpark. And uh, I believe in yep. Yankee Stadium and uh, City Field, you have to have like a uh, a clean COVID test like 72 hours before first pitch in order to get into the ballpark. So um, um, I'm I will be I willingly do that test. You can stick whatever you got to stick up my nose. <laughs> yeah, or do vaccination records like know that out? I'm curious. I mean, I hope they do. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they probably, you know, if you, uh, you know, have the card and show that you're fully vaccinated, you know, that kind of works too. But uh, I'm still waiting for shot number two. I've already had shot number one. So again, I'm just so stoked for baseball that if I was in, you know, the New York, you know, metro area, again, stick as many swabs as you want up my nose. I just want to see baseball again. Um, so, <laughs> um, 
But also one of the things I want to note is you do a live stream each week, right? Was it Monday, Wednesday, yep. and Fridays? Um, kind of tell people what they can expect when tuning in. Yeah, you know, I, and it's, it's funny, good timing, I guess, to talk about this. So the Fridays are my most, I think I have the most fun with and people look the most forward to. And that's where I interview other artists, usually other tops artists. So um, recently I've had Distorted, Alex Pardee, DJ Ski, Gregory Siff, Brittany Palmer. Um, it's a lot of fun. And so I think that definitely is going to continue. Every Friday I'm doing artist interviews. The Wednesdays and Mondays and Wednesdays uh, have been kind of in flux, and I'm, I think I'm going to start phasing those out. But in the past I had done mail Mondays where I would open fan mail on Mondays, and then Wednesday I would paint something. Um I think that, uh, it's been really fun. You know, we've got a really good core group of people that come and watch, you know, it's at 1023 Eastern. So they call themselves the 1023 team, the stream team or whatever. Um, we have a lot of nicknames for them, but I just think that like at this point where this is my third set with tops and I also have like so many different opportunities that confining myself to streaming three times a week is starting to like eat into a little bit of time that I wish I could spend doing other things. And so I think, you know, for users listening now and people going forward, I think like every Friday night uh, I'll be interviewing some dope artist uh, is the best, best place to start. Yeah, and I keep saying this throughout the whole episode today is, you know, I attest to a lot of things you're saying, just trying to find time to do, you know, podcasting and just as much as I love doing it, you try to find out or try to find time to do other things in your life, you know. But, um, I mean, having Brittany Palmer on the podcast, though, I mean, I, I think I would block out a lot of time for that interview. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so what's something that um, you can kind of tease for people out there who are, you know, uh, fans of yours, who watch the streams that are like, you know, I love all your work with Project 70 and 2020. What's something that you can kind of tease us but can't tell us everything about coming up? Well, Okay, this is, I got a couple things. The first thing I kind of can tell you everything about, and it is the Buster Posey card, which is the card that I painted live, uh, a week ago from Wednesday or something like that. You know, two weeks ago, I painted it live. That one just got today, it got bumped up in my launch queue. And so, Mookie Betts was originally going to be my next card. Now, Buster Posey is going to be my next card. And so that's exciting. And, Nobody knows that yet, so people hearing it now uh, are the first ones to know. So that's and then pretty the dope. radio exclusive right there. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, as far as like, I, I've really like, I've I've exposed a lot of my player list and my selections. I'm really kind of open about who I'm excited about. Uh, obviously, Mark McGuire being my favorite athlete of all time is on my list. He's somebody I'll be painting soon. I've told people I'm doing Ricky Henderson. Uh, I've got a really exciting, I think, a cool Ricky that I'm working on that's going to pair really nicely with some of the other Rickies that have already come out uh, that I've been a huge fan of. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun year. We got it's a long way to go too. We have like 900 more cards total. Wow, that many cards still yeah. to go. Wow, didn't realize. I, I, I'm constantly hitting yeah. refresh on Tops.com, yeah. you know, to see what's going yeah. on or following people's tweets and everything. Um, but speaking yeah. of people's tweets, I just want to uh, get like maybe two or three questions here from fans that were tweeting in questions to me to ask to you. And uh, one person wa wanted to know, who's an athlete that you would love to paint that you have yet to do a portrait 
or uh, a painting of yet? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, let's see here. Oh man, and it doesn't have to be just baseball. I mean, you know, when I say athlete, it could be you know from yeah, any no, sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking. Um, God, it's so. I mean, I feel like every time I get excited about working with somebody, even if I'm not doing it for them, I'll just paint them. Mm-hmm. Um, dang, I put you I on the know. spot there. Questions, <laughs> and I'm going to think about that because, like, honestly, like that's the beauty about like what I do is like whenever I get excited about something, I can just do it. And I usually, I usually do. So I'm just trying to think of like somebody that's been like on my list of like, you know, that I've been meaning to do. I think that like, and it's funny because I actually like did grew up like not liking Tom Brady as a football player, but have grown to appreciate him. Cause I also just didn't, I didn't like the Patriots. I'm a Niners fan. Yeah. Uh, but I've never painted Tom Brady and I'm also really excited for him in Tampa. I spent some time, you know, I grew up in Florida for a, a little while. And so I think Tom Brady is probably the best answer to that. And, like, if my dad listens to this interview, he's going to be like, what the heck, we hate Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's all Joe Montana. You know, you can't, you can't uh, switch your yeah, well, that's the there. Thing. I've done two of them with Joe Montana. <laughs> I grew up on Joe Montana. <laughs> I, you know. Yeah. 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 Oh, Jerry Rice is another good one. I would, uh, I'd never done Jerry Rice, and he was like, yeah, he was an icon. Now, one of the other questions. Go ahead. We're going to say something. I just said, I'm going to put Jerry Rice ahead of, of Tom Brady, and then I said, no offense, Tom. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, he's, he's going to be okay. I'm sure he's, he's, you know, he's got enough other things to, uh, be excited about. So I think he'll, he'll survive. Um, but the other question that somebody brought to my attention, and it's something that I, I really hit home with me, is because I'm a huge collector of wrestling trading cards. I'm a big wrestling fan, and I tell people okay. I'm a big, big wrestling mark. And uh, nice. guy wanted to know if you had any plans of doing anything WWE. I know WWE and Tops work together. Um, are you? Yeah. Has that ever come across your you know your desk or even been talked about doing yeah. something like that? Uh, you know, I would uh, I'd be super open to that. I've explored. You know, Tops and I have talked about like GPK, mm-hmm. um, Mars Attacks is another property I own. I know they like the WWE stuff. I think would be super fun. Um, I never really followed WWE. I was a very competitive high school wrestler and and wanted to be a college wrestler, and an injury kind of kept me from that. But uh, so I have worked in the wrestling space, but it's like NCAA. Yeah. Uh, or like team Olympic wrestling, uh, Jordan Burroughs specifically, uh, he's such a beast and I did a painting for him, which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, cause I've seen on top's fun. website, I think they have like a, a, a WWE, like a living set, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of has like that, you know, kind of like paint kind of look to it. Um, but it's really just a, a, a like a, a rendering of paint version of, you know, cards that have already been put out in a series. So I'd be interested right. to see like an original, you know, design, original painting, not just something that's kind of like, no offense to top. So, you know, like a paint by number thing that kind of feel like the living set was, it was just kind of like, all right, yeah, that's, I could go and Photoshop right. and just say, you know, make it, you know, look like a painting. Um, but I would love right. to see something, or, you know, original. Um, would there be somebody that you would, you know, iconic 
wrestler that you would like? I mean, you say you didn't follow it, but was there someone that you would like to uh, tackle? I mean, I think I've actually always wanted to work with The Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think <laughs> that would be pretty dope. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, like I didn't, I didn't really follow WWE, so I, I don't like know. I don't know, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he's a, he's an icon. Um, but I don't like, I don't know enough about it to like have a hit list already. Yeah. Well, I mean, those two are like on most people's Mount Rushmore's of wrestling. So you can't really go wrong with them, you know? Um, Right. Right. I was kind of waiting for maybe to say like the Brooklyn brawler or something, you know, calling it from Brooklyn, but, Mm. um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just spoke to Brooklyn about uh, six months ago, so I'm, I'm still learning the learning my way around. I'm also deciding, like, I think I might have to uh, be a Nets fan this year because we're really close oh, to Barkley. Oh man, See, I mean, coming from the Philadelphia area, you know what I mean? Like, I know, but like, you know, whatever. It's it's not even like a fair. I don't. I know they got a stack team, and it's not a fair weather thing. It's like a proximity thing. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I yeah. mean, you know, for the Nets fans that that be tuning in and listening to this, you know, what's our, how's our yeah. how's our backsides look? You know, I mean, we are the number one <laughs> seed right now in the East, so you know, keep looking up at us, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, it's gonna be exciting, and you know, like I mean, I'm also a Warriors fan. You know, okay. growing up in the Bay, you know, I've uh, I I actually met like I've had some of the coolest experiences with my art collectors at um, at Warriors games. Which is really cool. I have like one of my biggest patrons has a suite, and he's always having athletes and you know tech execs and stuff in his suite. And he would, I basically have art that was hanging up, and then he would like invite me to games, and I could just schmooze, and it was like the best place for biz dev ever. Um, and, and I got I, I got nothing fun. but love for fun, the, for the Warriors, you know, like Warriors and Athletics again, both having ties to the Philadelphia area at one point, you know, way before my oh. time, but you know. My grandfather was a yeah. huge athletics fan. Followed him from Philadelphia to Kansas City to Oakland. So I was yeah. used to seeing at a young age lots of athletic stuff, you know, like vital blue pictures, you know, and paper clippings from, you know, you know, Reggie Jackson and just, you know, so many just Philadelphia and, and like I said, Oakland athletic stuff. But um yeah, yeah, I mean I, I got no problem with the with the dubs, you know. Uh like I said it used to be Philadelphia Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh Absolutely. One other question that I will take the last uh, Twitter question we have from somebody. Somebody want to know what is your most prized uh, sports memorabilia piece that you own? Oh man! Because I know you're a collector, and I know you've probably you know inherited <laughs> some stuff. So no, I got a lot of really cool stuff. Um, okay, you know what? Um, okay, so I, it is a uh, Oakland A's season ticket holder hat. Uh, I believe it's, I believe the hat is from 85, which is the year I was born. And then in it, we have season ticket holder pins from 85, 86, 87, 88. I don't remember if we had season tickets in 89 or not. But, um, you know, it's, it's just got all of our pins that, um, from all the games that I went to with my dad as a kid. And it was my dad's hat originally, and he gifted it to me last year. Uh, and so that is my my coolest piece of sports memorabilia. That's very awesome. Very awesome. Well, Blake, I want everybody to know where they can find you at on social media and on, on the World Wide Web because, I mean, that's, you know, from doing marketing. That is the be-all, yeah. the tell-all. Where can people find you at online and stay updated with all the things that is Blake Jameson? 
Absolutely. So on every single social media channel, you can find me if you just look at my name, Blake Jameson, J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. And then my website is blake.art. Very awesome. So make sure you check him out on there. And then uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the, the, the 1030 stream team, um, check out his work. Go over to tops.com. Check out the different stuff he's doing with Project 70. Um, Blake, we just really appreciate you calling in and talking to us. Um, I, when I told people you were going to be coming on to the podcast, a lot of people were all giddy and excited. And I know there's people that are listening out there that are far more in-depth when it comes to the sports trading card industry than I am. And uh, you know, I, I have to admit, there were some people that were a little bit jealous that I was getting the opportunity to talk to you tonight. Um, so it was really cool getting to know you a little bit more. And uh, we wish you much success. And I uh, hope everybody enjoys the opening baseball. Is there anything else you want the fans to know before you uh, dip on out of here? Uh, no, man. I mean, I'll, I'll just end with the tagline I end everything with, which is just stay awesome. Very awesome. That's what I used to always tell people. I was like, stay amazing, stay awesome. And uh, we appreciate it again, man. I really appreciate you calling in. Cool. Thanks. What's going on, guys? You're listening to Blake Jameson, artist for Tops, Project 70, coming at you from Brooklyn, New York. I'm here with Mixmaster B at MMB Radio.